two things that happened that I didn't think would happen in such rapid succession. First thing was that most of the snow on my front lawn up here in Kanakistan has finally melted, although the ground's really muddy and dirty. And we have another podcast, episode number 43 of the Development Hell podcast. Um, we're back again, and we're going to try to stick to a more regular schedule because now that we have some more people interested in, be, in being sponsors, they want to know things like, do we have a plan, and who's going to appear? So maybe it's time to be a little bit more organized about these things. So as always, I'm joined by um, Ed Finkler, Funkatron, on uh, the Twitters. Ed, how are you? I know you're not feeling too well today from what you're talking about in the pre, pre-game show. Yeah, I'm playing Hurt Boss, but uh, doing okay. Uh yeah, it's been a bit of a long day, but we're doing all right. So this is like this is likely not to be an extended uh, rambling um, uh, version of Dev Hell. We've been keeping them a little bit shorter lately these days. Um, so before we get started, well, let's always uh, thank our awesome sponsors. First of all, let's thank Engine Yard, who have been an incredible longtime sponsor of the show um, since almost since um, they've been with us for a very long time. Um, yep. uh, they are purveyors of a platform as a service. If you like to run your Ruby, your JavaScript, your PHP in uh, scalable sandboxes check out engineered we highly recommend it and say hi to the folks who used to be with orchestra who are just now doing all the php stuff for um engineered and also we have a new sponsor uh ed you want to talk about our sponsor oh yeah i'm really excited about these guys um and gals at nude relic uh nude relic is uh they are the uh leader in etruscan erotic art oh, whoa, whoa. Uh, ed, ed i think you got that wrong it's actually new relic the mo- monitoring people Oh, that, my bad. Yeah, Nurak. Nurak is a software analytics company, makes sense of billions of metrics across millions of web and mobile apps. They help the people who build modern software understand the stories their data is trying to tell them. New Relic supports PHP, Python, Ruby, Java, .NET, Node, iOS, Android, Nokia, Clam phones, and this uh, Canadian Automa- Automotive Association South Central Ontario card that I'm holding in my hand that I tried to sign before the show started. So they're monitoring just about everything that you have. I bet they would play nicely with your engine yard hosted application. Uh, I'm, I'm sure many, many people do. Uh, I know lots of people that use New Relic. Um, um, basically, it's a new relic tries to tell them before their users know that something's going on. Yes, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, so we're really, really happy to have them on board uh, as a new sponsor. And their and, uh, uh, their yeah. public relations slash podcast slash I don't know what the heck she does. Basically, what Liz Naramore does at GitHub. So community relations, I guess that's what her title is. Noel. Let's just is, say that. Yeah, Noel yeah. is her name. Uh, very awesome uh, lady. I've met her at numerous conferences, and she'll be at Tech. So I'm looking forward to seeing her again. So. Um, should be good. So, with a new, we have a new sponsor, and as always, let's thank uh, Paul and Will from the Wonder Network for providing the bandwidth for um, the live streams that people who join us in IRC um, can follow along and harass us in uh, with questions, and they can hear all the stuff. And also, of course, they get to hear what goes on before we start recording, and they also get to hear the. Uh, the Dev Hell After Dark show that we always mm-hmm. do. That's uh, often uh, pretty entertaining. So today, our guest, because since we're trying to do guests more and more often, um, we had somebody in mind that we had asked them to be on the show not quite as long ago as we had been asking Laura Thompson to appear, but we had had this person on our radar for a bit. And so we basically um, double-barreled, harassed him on uh, Twitter and said, you need to come on or don't ever come on again. So we have uh, Josh Lockhart, who runs the Slim PHP project. So, Josh, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. No problem. The pleasure is all ours. Um, so why don't you tell the three people in IRC who you are? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, my name is Josh Lockhart. I'm the uh, senior developer for a uh, small design development agency in uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina called New Media Campaigns, and uh, basically head up development there for a lot of the uh, websites and custom apps we build. Um, and also, as uh, Chris uh, so eloquently explained, I'm known for the Slim PHP framework, uh, which we'll talk about probably a lot here in a little bit. Um, you know, PHP the right way. Um, started that, and it's uh, since grown into a kind of a really big community project at this point. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty much who I am. So uh, I noticed being Canadian, I pick up on the non-Canadian accent. So you're you're located in. Uh, I know we were talking about this beforehand because you're like in a little pseudo-ish, hipster-ish uh, part of uh, near Chapel Hill. Um, yep. Are you born and raised in that area, or did you relocate? No, I've pretty much been in North Carolina my entire life. Uh, grew up um, born just south of Charlotte, and again, a really small town called Waxhaw, 
um, one stoplight town back then. It's grown up a little bit since then, but uh, got two stoplights. Yeah, not two stoplights <laughs> now. And uh, but yeah, within uh, basically went to college at yeah, UNC Chapel Hill and stuck around the area. Was it at UNC Chapel Hill a few years ago? They had that guy who was like eight feet tall on the basketball team. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. There's some big guys on there. Okay. Well, that's. I'm the wrong guy to ask, though. I, I, I do not follow <laughs> sports right. at all. <laughs> Cool. Um, so yeah, so the, the thing that we had you on to, to want to talk about is the slim PHP framework. Cause as you know, Ed's, uh, Ed was a big believer in kind of the, uh, less code, less problems, um, philosophy and micro frameworks. And I've, I've, uh, for me personally, um, it's not so much the micro framework stuff that's intrigued me. It's more composer making it easy to like mix and match, um, libraries from all sorts of different mm-hmm. sources so that it kind of doesn't make sense anymore to that you really need a big humongous full stack framework anymore. You, uh, you're almost at the point where you can take someone else's well-tested, um, routing and templating system and then just start importing all the libraries, um, from other people that you need in order to build your application. Um, because o- over time I've, I've come around to kind of think the, to drop a few names, the same way that Rasmus feels about frameworks where like you need some structure, all the big ones suck, but they all suck in different ways. And really what you're looking for is, um, structure for the application that you're trying to build. But more importantly that, and I'm starting to feel this way too, having gone through the labyrinth and hell that is the framework where I work that, um, a special purpose built framework will probably get you the most results with the minimal amount of effort rather than trying to use something general and extract the things that you need. It's like, we know the thing that we're building. Let's build uh, a framework that's ideally suited to what we need. Like at work, we use very much a uh, component based framework where routing is actually done with URLs and URLs will create a page that's a template. And we actually have calls to components inside the template and our framework knows how to read that request and resolve where the component is. And the components are just basically like tiny controllers that will do some, look what you want them to do, grab some models, grab some data, munge it all, and then display a template. So very much purpose-driven for what Cinecore is doing, and I imagine I'm not the only one that uh, is starting to think that that's kind of a, a good way to build your application. So, you know, give give us kind of the backstory of Slim, how it started. You know, was there a problem you're trying to solve, and and Slim was the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Slim was kind of the result of that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, obviously, Slim started God, I don't know how many years ago, um, but it, its main point was. You know, I was solving a lot of the same problems over and over again with a lot of the client projects we were doing. And a lot of it is just more of the mundane boilerplate code that you have to write to, you know, receive a request and dispatch it and send a response. And, um, so instead of continuing to rewrite all that stuff for projects, I, uh, wanted to sit down and, and, and solve that. And so I, you know, I looked around for uh, some existing, uh, lighter weight solutions. And I think at the time there was, Lemonade and there was like a fat free framework and, and, um, none of them were really, you know, exactly what I wanted. And I mean, I probably could have used them, but I also wanted to treat, you know, what became slim as more of a, a learning project for myself. Um, and I, I built it and continue to build it predominantly for myself, uh, even though it's gotten really popular lately. Um, so yeah, so I sat down and started writing and, um, I took, um, some uh, original inspiration uh, from you know, not one Sinatra, um, which is a, a beautiful Ruby framework, um, and then two um, a framework from Chris Jordan, who I also work with. It was called the Recess Framework, and uh, it's at a, it's not being developed anymore. But but just kind of sourcing some inspiration from that, and um, you know, and so I got the core components in place. Um, you know, obviously the handling the the request coming in and dispatching those and the router and routing parts and, uh, and then obviously sending out a response. Um, but yeah, it's, it's main point was to solve kind of these smaller problems that I had. Uh, I, I've never really been working on a project, you know, that is big enough to, to really merit symphony or, you know, Laravel, basically the kitchen sink functionality. I didn't really want to spend the time to learn it, um, to learn those large frameworks, you know, um, didn't really have the time, didn't really care enough. Um, and all I was really concerned about was, you know, building a code base that's small and focused and does exactly what I want and does one thing well rather than a lot of things okay. Um, 
so that's that's kind of why Slim came to be, um, basically to solve problems that I had, and two to be an opportunity for me to to learn more about what I was interested in. And that was at the time kind of HTTP. Um, you know, obviously as a web developer, I know about HTTP, but there's a lot of lower level details. Um, and you know, like at the time, HTTP caching and um, you know all sorts of stuff like that that I didn't know 100% as much as I would like. Um, and so Slim was a good opportunity to kind of build something for me on my timeline um, that would help me learn. All right, that was a good story. <laughs> Thanks, glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah, no problem. Cool story, so, bro. Um, mm. When so you didn't find the stuff, you know, at the time when you started messing around with this, you didn't find the things that you sort of uh, that were out there. I remember that it, when when Limeade was around, and that was. Uh, and I guess it still is around, but I remember liking the idea of it, but it was, um, a little too, it was, I think purely procedural. Yep. I don't know if it still is. Um, cause I haven't looked at it in a while, but I was interested in it. But at the time I was kind of like, I didn't, I, I, I sort of wanted not, I'm not a big, super big fan of object orientation, uh, like to the extreme, but mm-hmm. I also, uh, sort of like some, uh, application of it for organizational purposes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that the how much did, have you done uh, any Ruby development or anything like that? I'm curious because it seems like I don't know as much about Recess, but I know mm-hmm. that there's a lot. It seems like there's a lot of similarities with Sinatra. Yeah, there there are. Uh, I actually did. I did um, a little bit of Ruby uh, way back in the day. Probably I can't even tell you what version. Probably version two. Uh, I don't know about the version, but this was back when Merb was around and when Mongrel was the preferred way to to, to launch a Ruby app. Um, wow, that is old. Yeah, it goes back. And uh, I was actually building kind of a, a social network-ish type app for uh, the Moorhead Foundation at UNC Chapel Hill. And um, that was kind of my, my main experience with Ruby. Um, and you know, obviously Ruby on Rails is is was big and is now even bigger. Uh, size wise, overhead wise. Um, and so I, I found Sinatra at the time and, you know, started messing around with that. I mean, I've always loved PHP. I've always, I started with PHP and I've pretty much always used PHP. Um, and I'm, I'm more comfortable with PHP. So that I kind of, you know, saw Sinatra, but, you know, I'm going to be writing PHP more often. So why not, you know, use it as some inspiration and, and build something that, you know, I can use daily, uh, in PHP that does a lot of the, you know, similar stuff. Um, yeah, and back to Ed, what you were saying earlier uh, about object orientation and kind of getting, building some structure on top of just you know normal procedural code—that's really what Slim does. Um, it, it really gives you enough structure that you know it, it gives you the support you need, but then otherwise stays out of the way. Um, and that's kind of the a tricky balance that I'm trying to maintain uh, as I continue to uh, you know review pull requests and pull in new features and take out features and what have you is to keep it still pretty slim and, and trim and make sure it doesn't do anything it doesn't need to. All right. Are you playing with something? What are you doing? I? Yeah. What, you got an arm there or something? You're rolling around? No, no. No, just sitting here. Is there, right. is there interference coming through? No, I'm blaming Chris then. <laughs> Dude, uh, it's not, uh, I'm fucking sitting here. I'm not moving. I know all about this squeaky chair stuff. Come on, man. Don't play me like that. <laughs> yeah, I know you're doing it. <laughs> No, it's all right. No, so it just sounded a little funny. It's, Don't worry it's, about it. It's Josh. It's 100% Josh. It's okay. Yeah, I'll take the blame. Josh, come on. You guys treat your guests so come well. On. Come on, Josh, just admit it, or else we're ending it right now. This is a pro thing, okay? And if you're not going to be a pro. <laughs> I'm clearly not, not up to the task. I know, right, right. Um, I, I Sorry, forgot. I let you guys down. God. I got so. I, I know. Now I'm off my game. I don't. I've, it's I'm not totally your fault you have a micro game. framework. Don't worry. It's, it's, yeah, okay, it's not the size that counts, guys. Come That's on. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. How do you uh, combat that with. Uh, I mean, like, okay, so here's an example of something that, that came up with me was uh, uh, I keep uh, putting CSRF stuff. I, I just use CSRF protection a lot in my applications. Um, uh-huh. And so I just put it in all the time. And so I was thinking to myself, darn it, why doesn't Slim just have that built in? And then I thought to myself, but wait, maybe if you do that for every little thing, then it's just going to, you know, end up getting added and added. And do you get a lot of requests for stuff where you're like, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Or I have, you really sort of have to be disciplined about that. (laughs) Um, I, well, and, and I, I, so I want, that's my, 
Yeah, my first question, I guess that's a question, but there's also the comment that goes along with that is, um, I think that's how small things become, uh, you know, bloated or f- that's yeah. what full stack frameworks end up doing is they try to sort of be everything to every person. Mm-hmm. And so as a consequence, they end up being super complex and, and hard to deal with. So, but yeah, do you get a lot of requests for stuff that you have to be like, no, I'm, I, I, that's not a good idea. That's not within the scope of the project. Right. Yeah, absolutely. All the time. Um, I think the number one request I get is people asking for, you know, you should put an ORM in with Slim. And I'm like, no, uh, you know, I've, I've, <laughs> I've said that from the very beginning, you know, I'm not going to have an ORM with Slim. Um, so how do you decide what should go into Slim and what shouldn't? How do I? Well, yeah. um, it, it depends. Like sometimes if it's an obvious feature, like an ORM, obviously no. If it's something that, you know, could be nice, um, but then again, if it's if it's more specific to a certain person's project, you know, obviously I don't want to do that. Um, if it's not, you know, absolutely critical to, you know, making Slim better at what it does, then you know it's probably going to be sidelined. Or, you know, what I've suggested to a lot of people, and CSRF is probably a, a good candidate for this, is to develop uh, middleware. Um, I, I hate that word, but it's 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 kind of used throughout the industry for this this concept of, you know building a, a class or a wrapper that kind of wraps around your application and uh, gets executed before and after it and um, allows you to, to manipulate the, you know, the objects that the application is working with. Um, but you would be able to create a middleware layer uh, with Slim to, um, to handle CSRF. Um, so that's, that's definitely an option there. And that's generally what I recommend to people. You know, if I get super excited about something that people recommend, um, I may roll it into core, but, but generally the answer is going to be no. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no, I don't think there's any like set checklist that I run through for saying yes or no to something, but, uh, but that's generally kind of how I approach it, the, uh, the problem there. Um, right. I, uh, yeah, that's what we end up doing is, uh, I use a uh, middleware to put the CSRF stuff in. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And, but you, you have a few things where you sort of have, I don't, I don't know what you call them, sister projects for things to connect to other stuff that you think are going to be commonly used. Like you had, for a while, you had the Slim Extras repo, which yep. has sort of turned into the views thing. And then, uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, and there were, but there were a couple other things in there that I think haven't migrated into something else yet. Like you had the CSRF thing and a couple other, mm-hmm. a couple other middleware pieces in there. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah. that's all going to come together with uh, version three, which I always say is soon, but it's, it's basically dependent on when I have time to work on it, which is recently not too often, but I'm hoping to be able to ramp up soon. Uh, but yeah, we do, we do have the, um, we had the slim, uh, extras repo, which was kind of a catch all bucket for anything and everything that I didn't really want to put into core, but I still wanted to sort of, you know, officially support, but, um, and it had like twig and smarty views. It had, um, I think some uh, custom loggers I threw in there. Um, and we're trying to kind of make that Slim Extras bucket a little more specialized. So we created the Slim uh, Views repository, which has, I think, the uh, Twig and Smarty Views. Um, we created a Slim-Middleware repository, which, we again, we haven't yet really advertised much yet. Um, but that's going to be more for, um, like, if you wanted to, you know, submit your CSRF middleware uh, to this repository. We, um, you know, we put it there and then we'd advertise that once Slim 3.0 launches. Um, you know, we're also going to be, uh, with the new version 3.0, we're working on a redesign. And one of the cool new features for the site is going to be uh, have an add-ons finder. Um, so you could you know, go to this page and type in CSRF and then it would return some uh, results from not only first parties, you know, middleware or, you know, plugins or what have you, but also from people that have uh, submitted it um, to the, you know, the repositories on GitHub um, or if they've, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I'm just, rambling. I'm rambling. No, yeah. no, no. I, I like, you should ramble all you want. It means I don't have to talk. Dude, rambling, uh, rambling is like the core feature of the podcast. That is, that is really what we're all about. Um, well, I mean, I was going to say that uh, I think that that's to me as a slim user as a developer i think the idea of having a sort of some sort of centralized place where you can kind of find out what's out there for uh add-ons is pretty appealing mm-hmm. um i uh and i think that might that'll probably improve generally what I, it seems like when you have stuff like that that improves the quality overall because i think that discoverability 
like sort of encourages everybody to sort of up their game a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I would agree right? with that. I would agree with that. I mean, I think that, I, I mean, it's a big example, but I, I, I might, I, I, the closest thing to it would be, I could think of composer and I could think of now suddenly people want to have, uh, interoperable libraries, uh, and that have tests in them and things like that. Um, and they, and, and I think it's sort of, you know, the quality stuff gets, gets, gets better. Um, and I, I really think that's a good way to still have those kinds of things available that you know that, there's going to be a fair, a, a, you know, a decent number of people who want that stuff, mm-hmm. but it really doesn't necessarily go in core. And I, I really like that approach. And I think that's a similar approach to what you have with um, all the all the Python web app development I've done has been in Flask. And mm-hmm. there's certainly a lot of slimmerity. I almost said slimmerities. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ! There's certainly a lot of similarities between Flask and Slim. I think. Um, <laughs> I think uh, uh, philosophy-wise, architecturally, and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. um, but you know, there's there's things that go along with that, like oh well, it's pretty common that you have like a situation where you have user authentication and like you have to track a user object and things like that, yeah. session you know, session stuff. So there's a there's a an add-on that you can do that does that for you. Now you could write your own stuff too, but that's a a common enough thing that it comes up, and and you know, the, the things like that that. Uh, I think that are useful. Um, and, uh, it, it means, you know, I've written, you know, I, whereas otherwise, you know, if that stuff is, it's either hard to find or it's, uh, or it's just, you know, the, sometimes the quality isn't up there the way you'd like it to be. Like I found several things for doing user authentication. Um, I remember, I think I was asking you about this if, like a couple months ago. Oh, I was yeah. like mm-hmm. looking at that and I was like, I, I was asking a number of people like, Hey, what's your like best thing for that? And you recommended Sentry, which I looked at, and Sentry seemed okay, except um, because of the way we write stuff, uh, mm-hmm. it, because it was for a project that, it, because we write everything with an API first or an architecture, um, Sentry wants to directly connect to the database. So it doesn't really work well with, like, you know, a front-end uh, thing that then talks to over HTTP to an API. It yeah, didn't we, work with it. So we, I was yeah. like, oh, I, can't, I had to toss it out because of that architectural we case. Used, uh, I used Sentry for the open uh, for OpenCFP, the Call for Papers app that I built for True North. We used right. we used Sentry to handle, and the, I did notice it wants to get its it wants to gets its claws pretty deep into your application. Yeah, I mean, like, so the 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 Flask user thing that they have that like that really what that thing is is just sort of. Uh, it has, you just have to, it basically gives you stubs where you fill in callback, like, okay, well, what's the method that's going, you're just going to have to like look up the user? Well, you yeah. just fill that in. It doesn't give you anything for that, right? Um, it doesn't make any assumptions about like, how are you connecting? What are you connecting to? How, what, what kind of data source do you have? You know, how do you connect, talk to that data source? So it's a little bit of a different process. And, you know, I don't know that, uh, I can talk all the shit I want to about it, but of course I, you know, my motivation to go do it, I'm not sure I wrote the thing that I needed to write. And I don't know that I'm going <laughs> to spend the time to write something that's okay. Well, it's extensible for everybody and stuff like that. But, but that was a thing that was century didn't work out for me because we, of that architectural consideration that we have, which admittedly is not common. I don't, you know, you don't run into a lot of people who write that. So like 95% of people are not writing things the way that we are. Um, did you just but, say 95? <laughs> I think he did. Probably. 95? Five, it sounded Sli- like. It's, it sounded slibbler to uh, <laughs> 95. Oh, humor. Um, well, thanks for coming on, Josh. Yeah. I guess we're yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try the veal. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Just to take a little bit of, uh, little bit of side journey, it's interesting that you talk about um, how you uh, – Ed, that you guys are approaching things from API um, first perspective. I remember, because this brings up some uh, nice memory for me. Well, nice in air quotes, I guess. Um, way back <laughs> when I was working for the dating website, um, one of our architects, uh, Sysamon types, decided that they didn't want us talking directly to the database um, for rights, that we had to queue everything. Yeah, dating website. Yeah, cheat on your wife while you're away on business dating site is what it basically was. Um, they didn't want us talking directly to the database for rights, but reads were okay. So we ended up writing like basically a very simple, um, uh, you know, insert update over HTTP 
um, endpoint. And right. um, I remember what a humongous pain in the ass that was, and how it seemed so. It seemed so weird that yes, we were allowed to read directly from the database, but not write to it. And that's when we also we discovered fun things like. MySQL um, replication is not instantaneous like we were promised. And uh, I oh, remember, no. I remember no. we had slaves that were 30 minutes behind some of the masters. <laughs> yeah, just because just ridiculous number of updates and inserts. You got to remember, this is this is like 2002, 2003, that time frame. Yeah. A very, very different um, web world. Oh, yeah. um, I still have plenty of scars from all those years I spent mm. working not, working in those type of environments. The thing is, I, I for what it's worth, I'm not sure things have changed as much as we like to think they have. Well, actually, I, well, I think I think they have because I think they have because there's certain patterns of uh, architecture that were really difficult to do because nobody had created the tools for them. Are yeah. now wait like could you imagine ten years ago or eleven years ago rolling your own queuing and messaging system for an app? Uh, you you basically be writing stuff that yeah. stuff stuff into a you'd be using database Postgres or MySQL or something and yeah. read and writing some other script somewhere that reads things off of it. Like there's so many things that yeah, just sad, did, so many things the, that just did not exist back then that the exist sad, now. The sad yeah. thing is I did that like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you should have told me. It was like, well, I so I wrote it, so it does this, this, this. And then one of their colleagues was like, yeah, so you wrote a queuing system. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's just a little little side thing about the API thing. I mean, I like the I like the API first approach. I think it, uh, uh, I think it helps you if you know with like a really high degree of certainty that you're going to have to scale this thing out. Like if you know the thing, right. that you're go- if you know that the thing you're going to have to build is going to end up being distributed, if you know with certainty that it's, it's probably worth um, the extra time that it takes to build something out that way. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, just, uh, I, I know that you guys are big on the API stuff and I know at I know at, at Cinecore we're slowly trying to move towards a more service oriented architecture, which also probably right. nece- necessitates a lot of API only stuff, but you know, yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think the other thing that like iceberg, is, like icebergs in the sea, they take a long time to get where they're going. <laughs> yeah. So sure. Sure. The, I think the other thing you get is that um, if you ever think you're going to write a second client for it, or have multiple clients, so exactly. not just not just a web client, but also say a you know maybe a native application on different platforms. Then it's really advantageous. Then you're going to mm-hmm. write an API one way or another. So uh, it's it's it helps for that. Now yeah. you could there's plenty of cases though where we may have written an API prematurely because that's just the way we do it, and and then you know we never actually do an, do an app for it. But mm-hmm. but yeah, that I that's th- those are really the two use cases. One is the scalability the idea too is the is the well we're going to have multiple clients so we really want to be able to do that without having to reverse engineer an api into it mm-hmm. um what yeah, and that's that's yeah. exactly what we do at new media so a lot of our stuff we kind of when we start stuff we do api first for exactly that reason i mean we're usually going to have multiple you know front ends on top of a you know a single common database um so yeah we don't want to you know tie ourselves too tightly to you know a, a php front end um that's going to connect straight to MySQL. So uh, that's why we love, you know, doing the APIs first, exactly for that. So right. It saves a lot of time in the long run. So can you give us a little preview? Uh, those, uh, those excited slim framework kids. Can you give us a little preview of what might be coming in three? Mm, sure. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things, and I don't know how exciting this is, but one of the biggest things is that we're converting it over to, um, you know, coding it to interfaces, um, previously, we had we'd um, basically expected you to extend existing classes if you wanted to add on or change functionality. Um, but now everything's you know code to interfaces like it should have been earlier. But you know I, I'm living and learning here, um, so that's a big one. So if you want to swap in a new HTTP request or response you know component, you know feel free. Um, that's why I've really been I've been trying to lean on uh, Phil to. And uh, I think Michael Dowling to get that HTTP uh, PSR moving because um, I'd love to have that for uh, Slim Three, but I don't know if it's going to come out in time. Um, interface is a big thing. Um, actually, let me go ahead and pull up Slim's uh, issue queue here, so I can go. See, Ed, I told you it was him making all the noise. He's typing. Oh yeah, yep, that's it. That's yeah, it. I'm completely not paying attention Son to you guys. Busted. <laughs> oh man, all right, let's see. I knew yeah, it. Yeah, so. Or uh, interfaces, I've, I've changed um, 
Let's see, the cryptography that's in it is now kind of its own standalone class, and so it's, it's improved. That's a lot better. Um, we're building on top of, uh, we're, and I'll talk, I want to talk about components a little bit here in Slim and in the future of that, um, but we're going to be adding some, uh, a few small dependencies for 3.0, which we haven't done until now. Uh, one of those is going to be Pimple uh, for the dependency injection. You know, I, I think version two, we had written um, like a helper uh, dependency injection class that's custom just for Slim. Uh, it's kind of duplicate code, and why not just use something that's better and already pre-tested? Um, so, yeah, we're going to be using Pimple for that. And uh, we're also going to be using uh, Guzzle 4.0, uh, not the entire Guzzle suite, but just strictly the uh, the Guzzle Streams component. You son um, of a bitch. Yep. And uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> all for you, Ed. All for you. And uh, <laughs> but uh, it's gonna it's gonna make make uh, working with uh, you know requests and responses a little bit easier. Now you've still got the actual HTTP request and response classes that Slim has always had, um, but the bodies for those uh, will be built on top of uh, a Guzzle stream. So there you go, Ed. You can still use the old shit that you're used to. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll use the. Uh, uh, well, see, I. I don't know. See, I I know a lot of people really like Guzzle. I just haven't ever touched it because, well, I wrote my own thing um, that uh, you call uh, it because, Fuzzle. Yeah, Fuzzle. I wrote my own thing called Fuzzle way before Guzzle. No, oh, yeah. um, no. I have a little. It's a, a tiny like single file uh, component called Resty, and uh, I wrote it because we needed to talk to HTTP APIs uh, and. Um, at the time, uh, the DevOps people, uh, who will remain nameless, uh, were very adamant that they didn't want to install curl, the curl, libcurl, uh, for PHP on the, uh, on the, the box. Um, I think one of our friends, uh, in the PHP community had run into like a couple really sort of obscure bugs with, um, with libcurl that, uh, I mean, beside the fact that it is a, just the API is really awful uh, for 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 that uh, that that uh, extension. But so they, what do you do? Drop down the sockets? Yeah. So what it really it is? It's a wrapper uh, for the sockets stuff. But it it's like okay, well, let's try to define it in sort of a sane way, you know. So you mm-hmm. have so it's a simple interface, so you can just call like get post put you know, patch shit like that on it. So it's not anything fancy. And it's not, I think it does way, way, way less than guzzle, which apparently does like 3 million things. And guzzle, I'm not sure. Guzzle is the shit. I love that thing. When I did, uh, remember Ed, when I went to ski PHP and I did that, mm-hmm. um, uh, where I, where I fucked off for a couple hours and I did, um, I did recorded the video of me working on stuff with somebody. I'm hoping that yeah. thing's going to see the light of day. They paid me, so hopefully it's going to show up. But well, so you don't um, care. Well, I don't care. But it would be cool that people could actually see how I work. In fact, I should hit hit that guy up and see what's going on with it. But I use Guzzle, and it was just super super easy to uh, um, to use. I found Guzzle like real easy to integrate into this project. It was this cool little thing where I had to talk to. Uh, um, a little LED thing that was hooked up to someone's iPhone. So I had to write in a uh, test driven style and the guy, uh, guy and his uh, camera crew recorded me while I worked on this thing with the guy sitting next to me and I worked my way through everything and eventually got something working where we could do, uh, uh, he had a, 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 a hook on GitHub and when he pushed something, it would call my little server thing and then I would turn around and send a message directly to uh, the API of the company with SparkFun that makes these cool little devices and uh, would send a message to the SparkFun API that would cause the LED thing he had plugged into his iPhone to either blink red or blink green. It's actually kind of cool. Like in two hours, like start to finish, I banged the whole thing out with tests and everything. So it was, it was a very cool experience. Mm-hmm. Nice. So you made a, within two hours, you were able to make a light blink. It's all this what, test yeah, what did, yeah, what did you do, buddy? You did zero of that. So. Yeah, nothing. I didn't make any lights <laughs> blink, believe me. Hey, yeah, you just sat up in your hotel room curled up in a field position while I was doing it. I know. Yeah, I think that was it, pretty much. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. So so, that, so speaking of being curled up in a field position, this brings me as a nice segue to another thing we wanted to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. So anyone that runs an open source project of <laughs> any, any – and I jokingly call it into the notes uh, – uh, almost insignificant open source project – Anyone who runs one of these things, um, 
you end up interacting with people not always in the best way possible. Um, the internet is weird. The internet encourages people to, in many ways, behave differently than they would if they're actually sitting there. I know for me, of course, a lot of this has to do with my, my actual physical size and my demeanor mm-hmm. in person, where I've had several people, um, well, let's be blunt, talk shit to me online. And when they meet me, they are severe, they are supremely apologetic once they see how mm-hmm. big I am and how I really <laughs> act towards people that I don't like. Mm-hmm. So, um, so as the, as a head of an open source project, do you find like, are you having, I mean, are you having to deal with a lot of assholes or on this project? You find that, I mean, there's bound to always be a few people who are belligerent and kind of are like expecting you to do things for them in a certain way and get up all in your grill when you make it clear to them that you're not going to do it for them. So you talk, talk, uh, I'm, I'm picking up what Ed had. I can't talk properly now. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about like your experiences running the open source stuff. Not so much Slim itself, but like what the sure. experience of running a, an open source project has been like. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's it's for slim it's actually been surprisingly civil <laughs> um i haven't had probably more than a handful of people who've just been outright rude or, or direct or you know or whatever um yeah it's when i do have those people i you know i i try to be nice i try to say to address them with kind of a you know just a brief explanation of why i don't agree with them or why i'm not pulling in their pr um but yeah, a vast majority of the people, especially on Slim, have been overall pretty nice. You know, I really haven't had that much uh, that much need to kind of deal with people that are overly rude. Um, there are people who don't necessarily, and they don't send you a PR, but they'll be like, "Oh, well, this feature's stupid," or "You're you're wrong," or you know, you just they just are just uh, basically putting down your work. Um, and that's kind of the biggest thing I've had to deal with. Um, and especially on, I know Reddit, but that's to be expected. Um, but it's, it's, you know, just on Twitter or, you know, in, um, comments on, you know, PRs and GitHub. Um, and so dealing with that has kind of been the, um, the biggest learning curve I've had for running an open source project. And you kind of have to, you kind of have to put aside your, uh, your feelings and just kind of, um, just expect that. Um, I don't really know how else to put it. Um, but just kind of not let it affect you and just keep doing what you're doing. Do you They're find, do you find, sorry to interrupt. Do you find it yeah. hard to, to make that separation? I mean, like, I mean, I have a few little teeny, tinier, teeny, teeny, tiner, teeny, 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 tiny, minor things that I've open yeah. sourced mainly because I'm like, I think somebody else might like this. And if someone else can come up with a pull request to fix it, um, mm-hmm. I'd be all cool in the gang about that. Um, do you find that you're having a hard time? saying a hard time, like not taking it personally. I mean, I don't know what your personality is like. I know that there's clearly some people that shouldn't be running open source projects and some people mm-hmm. that, that should be running it because they have the patience um, of a saint. Do you find yourself at having a hard time or like, cause you said it seems to be um, pretty civil from what you said. So I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, when we kind of look at what we're dealing with, we're dealing with a very narrowly targeted micro framework. So I can't imagine there being, too many people who are like would get really wound up over either right. a feature feature of the framework itself or something that they want added in. Right, it's mainly for things people want added in. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much the, where most of those people come from. Um, starting out, it was a lot more difficult because you know Slim was my first kind of open source project to hit it somewhat big. Um, you know, it's it starting out. You know, I was really I don't want to. Yeah, I'm not, I don't want to say sensitive to things, but you know, I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, and when you know, I started experiencing people like that, yeah, it was it was tough. You know, I, I really kind of questioned whether what I was doing was was the right way to do things. Um, but you know, as, as time went on, and you know, as Slim got a little more popular, you know, I see that people were using this, and people were enjoying it, and people, you know, were, were getting behind it. And so, obviously, I was doing something right. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a vast minority of people who are really, um, kind of belligerent like that and kind of trying to put you down. And, you know, I've learned to kind of just ignore it. Um, you know, if, if it's, if, if I need to address it, you know, I will, I'll provide, you know, just a a paragraph explaining why I don't want to do that and just leave it at that. Um, 
And also SLIM's community is really, is really supportive, um, especially on the, the support forums for SLIM, uh, not only amongst each other, but, you know, um, you know, if someone do, does come along like that, you know, I'm going to have people behind me who are supporting me as well. And that's what really makes, you know, makes me want to continue doing SLIM. Uh, it's mainly the community that's built up around it. So I guess, I guess that kind of answers what you're asking. Yeah, I can dig that. I mean, I had a lot of the same kinds of feelings when I was, it was a little bit different because it was an end user project, but when, mm-hmm. the, when I worked on Spaz, it was really like that. It was, you know, that, that community was really what kept me going with mm-hmm. it. Um, the funny thing was one of the things that it's a little bit different. It's not the, uh, it's not the, the folks who, uh, you, you always have some people who are kind of like dicks about stuff, but, yeah. um, the things that were always hardest for me were people who, um, it's usually a combination of, they want you to, they give you very little information and they want you to solve their problem for you. <laughs> and almost inevitably, and I don't know why this is, they have that, English probably is not their first language, and this is not a criticism of them for that reason. But it it always makes it harder because you can't actually tell what they're asking or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this always happens. <laughs> and uh, and I don't know. I, I'm sure you've run into that, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, sort of. Um, mainly on the uh, the support forums. I mean, there's a lot of people from. She's all over the world. I know there's a lot of people over right. in Asia that are using Slim, and um, yeah, I mean, obviously, language is a, a barrier to communicate like that. Yeah, right. Um, so you've got to be you got to be sensitive to um, you know no, acknowledge that and and realize that these people there's going to be some culture clashes and and like they right. may appear blunt, but they're really not. So you you got to approach things carefully. Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing. I think it's really hard not to get. Not to turn into sort of like a bastard operator from hell or something like that, right? <laughs> to turn into uh, just to get very annoyed with it and saying like, well, look, you can't explain. I don't know. I expect yeah, it, Chris has things to say about this, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's super easy to overreact, you know, because obviously you built this. It's your baby. You really care about it, and you don't want people to put it down too easily. So, uh, yeah, it's, you've got to build a discipline and just be very um, – careful about how you, you know, approach people and start conversations. Right. Why do you think that slim, uh, do you, do you think it struck a chord with more people? Do you think you just got lucky or is there something that you did differently in terms of getting people interested in it? Um, I think it was a combination of a little bit of luck, uh, with timing and then, um, obviously building something that people need. Um, Timing-wise, it, it, it came out right on the, the leading edge or a little bit before the whole micro movement came along. Um, and so, obviously, timing was, was great there. Um, but as far as um, – and, and that's luck. Um, but as far as um, the other part, I mean, I think that a lot of people at the time were coming from, you know, cake. They're coming from Code Igniter. A lot of these more monolithic frameworks that – People were realizing, you know, hey, I don't need, you know, this whole kitchen sink, you know, to build a simple API. Um, and, you know, and that's, I mean, that's kind of where I came from. Um, and so you know, I built Slim to be Slim and to provide me exactly what I needed and nothing else. Um, and I think that a lot of people saw Slim and realized the same thing and, you know, realized that Slim could do 80 to 90% of what they needed um, without all this extra junk and overhead to tag along. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of why. Right on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Chris, what are you doing? I'm listening, man. You're just listening. I'm listening. You haven't said anything for a while. Yeah. I've been kind of quiet over there. Are you What's sad? Up? Do you feel sad right now? <laughs> no, I He's don't. just blown away by this guest tonight. I know, right? <laughs> no, no, it's just, uh, well, okay. <laughs> what do you mean? No. What, what a- <laughs> wow. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Excuse me. Wow. So let's see. Where do I begin knocking this guy down? Okay. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's interesting because Ed, you're talking about the timing thing, and um, and again, we're going to go off a little bit of a segue, and then we're going to come back to the to the third thing I wanted to talk about tonight. So uh, Ed talks about like timing. Did Slim come out at the right time? Um, 
I have people uh, approach me all the time asking me about book related stuff because you know because I've had I'd have what I would call pretty good success with my two books right and so but what people don't understand is some of the process looks random and some of it looks like it's just timing and luck it's uh, in many cases it's kind of like I did my research and I learned that there were other people having the same problem I was not the same person. I was not the only person struggling to figure out how to write tests, how to make my code in such a way to be testable, and how to use all these tools. I was far from the only person. I ran into lots of people. I asked lots of questions. I lurked in forums. Um, I read, I did Twitter searches. I tried to get a, a feel for the types of problems that people were having. And, um, and so then I created something that could solve people's problems. So in many ways, this is exactly what Josh has done. Josh was far from the only person struggling to take a, a, a very large general purpose framework and bend it to um, his will. Um, you know, like in many times, like you can be a good programmer and still really struggle to use, uh, to take something general and turn it specific. In, in many cases, what happens is with a lot of these projects, and I don't know if it sounds to me that Slim sort of ended up being this way, where you wrote something that turned out to be very valuable to you, and then you extracted the stuff that you wrote and made it a little bit more general purpose. Yeah, whereas, exactly. Yeah, whereas Slim is actually probably, and I mean, I'm probably, this is all just guesses on my part, but Slim is mm-hmm. probably narrowly focused enough that you really probably didn't have to clean things up too much in order to extract what you had written. You came out, you're like, you had the model, you're like, okay, I know Sinatra. Sinatra, um, basically in the, in the Ruby world, you had the vast majority of people, probably 90% of the people were using um, rails. And then mm-hmm. the other 10% were using, and that was all probably nicely chopped up between Sinatra and Merb and other crazy, um, homebrew, um, web frameworks written in Ruby. Um, so, so you kind of had that pattern. Like there are definitely people that want this lightweight approach to things that are like, I, I want to have complete control over what gets included in my application. And the only way you can do that is by starting by, by if you, if you can't write all those components yourself or don't want to, then you kind of have to start what's the lowest common denominator. And I kind of talked about this either before we started recording or at the beginning where basically these days, especially now, all you need is a good routing system and a template language. And then you can, because of the, the awesomeness that is composer, you can just start pulling shit in. So mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, my personal opinion, Josh, is that Slim came along at the right time. But even if it had been a little bit later or even a little bit earlier, I still think it would have caught on because it was filling a need that there, there, there was no good example of an object oriented micro framework. There wasn't one. There was like Ed talked about. It. I remember uh, Liminate or Liminate or however you want to want to look at. It. And I looked at it and I thought this is unworkable and unextendable and not easily integrated with stuff that's not procedural. So that was going to be a problem if you ever wanted to use it and make it and not have to spend all sorts of time trying to integrate other people's shit into it. It's like really, it's like if you look at it, and go yes, Slim is the first example of a micro framework. That's object oriented. That really is striving to be as simple as possible. When, when I was trying to decide what to use for, um, open CFP, um, I had three choices. I was going to try to ro- roll my own kind of front page controller idea, right? Everything was going to be a front page. And I have experience with that. So it was okay. Then I was like, am I going to use slim or was I, or was I going to use Silex? And then I started looking at some of the things that I needed and. Sorry, Josh. There was more stuff available for Silex what? at the time. So, yeah, I know. Whatever, dude. Um, yeah. <laughs> pull requests welcome. And um, uh, so, you I mean, but there there aren't that many good examples of uh, coherent ones that you can look at it. Like when I looked at Slim, it it didn't take me very long to figure out what Slim was doing. So they're going to go, oh. That's why it's doing that. Oh, here's a, here's a point where I can hook something in. Oh, here's a point where I can hook something else in. For me, it didn't take me that long, uh, to figure it out. I did, uh, I, I remember just banging out a project in Slim. Oh, what the heck did I do it for? Uh, a couple of years ago at PHP Tech during the hackathon with Daniel Cousineau, he and I created, uh, um, uh, a URL, you know, like one of those URL shorteners that, mm-hmm. uh, one out of every five times would redirect you to the wrong page. So <laughs> we built that using Slim and that was actually, nice. was, it was a lot of fun. It would redirect you to this crazy page of, of this scowling face of me with clown makeup on. 
and all this weird, crazy strobing lights in the background. It was pretty horrific. Um, Sounds but scary. it was, yeah, well, it was kind of cool. Um, and the, we were like, Daniel and I were like the first two people done and had something to show everybody. So, um, nice. clearly, clearly there is a place for, um, micro frameworks. And I think also too that one of the things I like about micro frameworks is despite the reputation that they have for like being good for prototyping, mm-hmm. since it's so typely focused, I don't think it's that big a stretch to take the thing that you built as a prototype and move it into the, and move it towards being the more finished version. And I think that's, I think that's a part of building applications, um, that people either don't think about when they're doing it or they discount it as, well, we're just going to rewrite this, um, once, once it's time to do this for real. Um, and sometimes you end up with problems, um, doing that where the prototype becomes the final one and you never get past the prototype stage. But just th- things like Slim and Silex struck me as, like I could build this thing to prove that it works and then to take it to the next level wasn't going to be a ton of work because there wasn't really going to be anything to rewrite. It was I was going to take what I had and smooth out the edges and add a few more kind of more robust things to it to do other functionality that we hadn't implemented properly yet. But because I could just drop in replacements, the integration work um, wasn't going to be that horrific. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. See, I was thinking about stuff, Ed, just because I'm... <laughs> Just because also I was admitting I was thinking about some magic cards too, but I was thinking about what, right, what yeah. Josh was saying. So let's segue into the third thing because we're talking about doing things a specific way. One of the things that, that Josh did that I had totally forgotten about and I apologize for forgetting because I've actually contributed to it is PHP the right way where, um, for those who don't know, PHP the right way is an attempt to kind of provide, um, like a, a beginner's snapshot. Of PHP. If you want to kind of do PHP in a way that a large percentage of the community has said, this is the way we think you should be building apps using PHP. And here's some techniques and other information that we think you should know. Um, it's, uh, you can find it at, uh, is it, I always get mixed up. Is it dot com or dot org or do, or do both it's, send to it? It's a dot com. Okay. So PHP the right com. So basically, uh, like any PHP developer, regardless of their, um, current status as noob or um, remembers when PHP was version three, like I do. Um, I highly recommend go take a look at that page. You'll, I guarantee you, you will learn something that you didn't know already. And I also encourage people because it's an open source project, contribute back to it. Like I added a whole bunch of stuff um, for testing. I haven't been back to it in a bit, but it's, it sounds like it's time. I need to go back and take a look and see what's going on and see if there's anything else that I look at. And I go, Oh, I've come, I've run across something else that I think people should know about and get it added into the project. So talk a little, can you talk a little bit about how PHP the right way got up and going? Sure. Absolutely. Um, so I was, uh, basically going out to lunch one day at work and, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, there's a, there's a lot of tutorials out there, uh, on PHP. Um, most of them are, are old. I mean, they're not necessarily wrong, but they're, they're outdated. Um, and there's, Obviously, PHP has just been, been surging forward with with new, you know, ways to do things like Composer and packages being the primary one, I think. Um, but but there's so many you know outdated tutorials out there and misinformation that that you know a lot of either new people new to PHP or people who have, like you said, have been po- coding since PHP three, um, they they may not know about these these new ways to do things. And um, so uh, you know, I, I said to myself, you know, I want to just create a site and. Um, and try and just say, Hey, here are these, this list of, of, of best practices, you know, quote unquote. Um, and so I literally, I literally coded up this, this pretty, pretty bad looking 1.0 page of, uh, just a list of, and like a, a list of you know, dependency injection, you know, components and packages. And, you know, here's how, how it works and here's where you can go to, to find out more. And, uh, it was super simple and I pushed that up and I was floored that phptherightway.com was available. Um, and yeah, and so I got that up and it took off, you know, I was in, I mean, obviously it was, uh, addressed to need and, uh, the community jumped behind it. I know Chris that you, uh, helped out a lot there with the testing section. You know, I really appreciated that. Absolutely. And, uh, and um. Yeah, it, it just took off. Um, and I, I polished the design, you know, as it went forward. And I knew this was a lot of the community was jumping behind it. So I wanted to make it look, uh, you know, somewhat good and uh, as good as I could make it. And, um, so yeah, and it kind of became what it is today. And, uh, as it started, obviously I was, 
um, the kind of the primary contributor way early. Um, but then obviously now it's become a super big community driven project, you know, and Phil and I have really kind of fallen back into more of a, um, an editorial role, um, and kind of relying on more on experts in their specific field to, to really contribute and, um, and so, yeah, and it is what it is now. Um, I think it's, it's, you know, page one for Googling PHP. Um, obviously it's pretty, uh, pretty popular. Um, and we're just trying our best to keep it up to date as things change. It's a living document. Um, and it's always going to try and provide the best, uh, best way to do things. Uh, and it's not, it's not aiming to be a comprehensive source of information. It's more of like, here's how you do X, Y, and Z. Here's a little overview for each. Here's where you go if you want to find out some more specific details and in-depth uh, description of what that does. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what it is and what I, what I tried to build. And, um, yeah. I just took a, I just took a quick look at it. Holy fuck. It's humongous now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, like I remember when this project, you know, first started, I was like, this is awesome. It's like a, an attempt to us to try to, um, combine all in one place where you can find solid usable information. Because of course, this is one of the weaknesses of PHP that also earns PHP, uh, its ire online is the fact that sure. there are so many really poorly written old and ancient code samples of mm-hmm. PHP that keep bubbling up to the top, um, if you search for them with your favorite search engine. So uh, hopefully it's one of these things over time that PHP the right way starts to suck some of that Google juice down from those old crufty links and more yeah, and more people, and more and more people end up looking at PHP the right way to learn. Cause I mean, um, I, I know that Ed and I have talked about this multiple times on other episodes about just the sheer scope of things that you need to know in order to be a remotely effective um web developer, right? So between having to know um, uh, a server-side scripting language and a client-side scripting language, you have to understand how, probably understand how um, uh, CSS works. So markup stuff you have to know, and you have to know about data sources, and you probably have to start, and now you can no longer, and of course that's because of things like Vagrant and, and other things like that, you can no longer be ignorant about deployment of your applications and all this stuff. So there's ridiculous amounts of stuff you now need to know to be effective at your job. Mm-hmm. Um, and something like PHP the right way, I think, um, lets you act, gives you a little bit of a shortcut and says, here's all the stuff that a bunch of people kind of agree is, is important about PHP. So if you want to get somewhat competent, you know, check these things out. And so, um, for that, I wanted to say personally, say thank you for starting this thing up, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. I mean, uh, thank you for helping contribute. Uh, I mean, I just hope that, uh, you know, anyone listening, if you want to jump in and help contribute, you know, you're more than welcome. Um, we've also, we don't do any kind of paid advertising for this. Um, you know, there's no budget to me to begin with, but, um, you know, if anyone out there would like to, uh, to help us, you know, spread the word and advertise it on your site, I, I think there's several, you know, banner images that you can use, uh, on PHP the right way. It's somewhere linked on there, um, that you can. Don't, don't worry. Once we put a link to it up on the dev hell page, it's going to blow up like a rock. Really? Oh, Millions yeah, sure. of page views, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like like Krakatoa, dude, it's going to be. Nice. Yeah, like Krakatoa. <laughs> I mean, it's going to blow up in the middle of nowhere. No one's ever going to see it is basically what I'm saying. All right. <laughs> I still, I, I, I should bring this up though. It's mm-hmm. very important. Um, it's still under people to follow. Neither Chris nor I are listed. Are you serious? Yep. I've got to get. Damn, son. Wow. Man. That's all right. <laughs> I'll, have get, I'll have to get that fixed tonight. We're, we're, yeah, let's, let's, don't uh, don't worry, on, Ed. We're figures that transcend the community. So hey, That's true. Everybody, That's true. everybody knows about us. Don't even you don't even have to mention us by name. Just <laughs> no All right. Uh, humor. Man. Whew. Really, there's a people to follow section. I don't see it. Oh well, whatever. Uh, it's way down there. It's, it's, it's under way resources. Down. Yeah, we buried it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. At least you got Rasmus on there. That's- yeah, and, be and, and, and Anthony Ferrer, who who blocked me on Twitter because I was truly an asshole towards him. So, <laughs> see, I'm blocking you. No, but no, but I've I've spoken. I'll share the story since we're just about done. So, um, Anthony still likes me. So it's just a it, it's a Twitter only thing. So, um, for those of you though those of you who know Anthony Ferrer, right? I'm sure some of you know IRC Maxwell, not Maxwell yeah, as he complains. So, so he um. It's um Maxell Smart is right. Is this yes, yeah, man. yes, Maxell Smart. So he um, started working for Google, and um, 
I was bugging them saying like, how could you take a job at Google? Google sucks up really talented people and they never see the light of day again. Right. It says we're, lo- we're losing like a humongous, uh, proponent of PHP by you taking that job at Google. So I was just like joking around and bugging them about Google working for Google. I'm like, how can you do this, man? We're never going to see you again. This is horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And then, you know, a little while later, I'm like, man, I haven't like maybe a couple months later, I'm like, I'm like, man, I knew it. Anthony's been sucked in by Google and the dude doesn't tweet or anything anymore. I'm going to see an, Oh, wait, that fucker blocked me. Really? So, so yeah. So I emailed him and said, dude, like, what's like, what's up with blocking me? And like, you know, he sent a very nice email back that, that basically the summary is, is you're an asshole towards me about the Google thing. And I told you to stop and you didn't. I'm like, okay, you know what? That's fair. That's okay. Look, Twitter, you know, you don't have to let anybody follow you on Twitter if you don't want. So that's cool. But Anthony's like, dude, I don't hate you. I'll talk to you and everything still, but just not on Twitter. I'm like, all right, fair enough. So there you go. See, I block people and there's people that block me in return. So, you know, it happens. I already apologized to Anthony. So it's, it's, that's all, as they say, water under the bridge. And he said, if I ever make it to New York City, um, which I keep trying to, but circumstances keep messing that up. Um, we're going to hang out and have a bunch of, uh, bunch of beers and, uh, and food and stuff. But, uh, but yes. Yeah. So, so I can't even follow Anthony on Twitter, which, which shames me. If I, if I could follow him and not be permitted to respond to him, I would be okay with that too. But, uh, maybe I'll have to, maybe I'll have to create another account and follow him or something. I'll figure something out. There you go. Yeah. Stop like a, stalk, okay, get a, 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 yeah, stalk him via another account or something. Yeah, you could have a proxy yeah. that would like forward his messages to you. <laughs> Like all that'd be a way to do it though. Okay. So you make it, you make a, 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 a Twitter account that all it does is it reads what, uh, one person posts and then just duplicates it. Right. <laughs> and then you could just read that. Nice. Figured our way around it. We've yeah, solved yep. all the problems. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, like I was bugging Anthony. I didn't think he took it that seriously, but he did. And I apologized to him. I said, I didn't, re- I said to him in the, I did the true apology that all assholes out there should do where you actually say to the person, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hurt your feelings. I was not trying to, I'm sorry that I did. So did he at any point say to you, do you think this is a motherfucking game? <laughs> no, he never did. Anthony's <laughs> not like that. Uh, no, um, I know for, I am. Fortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's a lesson to be had there that even, even, uh, even I get turned down by people. Even cowboys get the blues. That's right. Even cowboys. And that's a great book. You ever read that book, Ed? I don't really read. Oh man, you should read that. Is it good? I don't know. It's an I awesome think. book. I, think I do you, read. I just, is it fiction? Because I read almost no fiction. Oh, it is fiction, but it's really wild out there fiction about a, the, one of the main characters has a thumb that's like four times normal size and is blue. Drugs. Yeah, dude, you should read it. It's awesome. All right. Well, fair enough. That seems even, reasonable. Even, even Cowgirls Get the Blues is the name of the book, I believe. Oh, yeah. I think I messed it up. I said Cowboys. Yeah. I fucked it up. Uh, speaking Man, of, speaking of fucking than... things up, I think we've made it to the end of another episode. So, Josh, thanks so much yes. for joining us. Um, this was good, getting a little insight into the madness that is the Slim framework. Um, sounds like things are going well, and Ed's excited about 3.0 coming out. Yeah. So, uh, so keep the good times rolling, dude, and good things will happen. You, uh, What you need to do is find someone to write a book about Slim, because that would drive even more um, traffic towards using your project. You must have somebody... Uh, other than you, who knows enough about Slim's internals, if they wanted to write a uh, a small little ebook, that would probably interest a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I know of one yeah. that's uh, actually in the works. So awesome! Yeah, awesome. Don't Dad, don't talk about it. Um, <laughs> are you going to fix logging in the next version? I'm actually going to remove logging. Logging that, that, that seems like a good policy. Yeah, I actually, yeah. It's I just I just you I've gotten to the point where I just use monologue. Yeah, and yeah, I just exactly. Ignore it completely. I, I ended up the same stuff. Like I. I yeah, I don't know why I put logging in to begin with, but uh, yeah, I'm taking it out and encouraging people to use monologue. Ah, uh, the standard yeah. response. Want some logging? Just use monologue. Yep. So, just use monologue. Sometimes, awesome? some, sometimes the best solution actually wins. Because you might need to use one of these 37 different ways to log things. So uh, so one of the things we didn't talk about, Josh, is how if people want to talk to you, uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Carrier Pigeon, email, Twitter, um, social media, other sites. What, what Your code guy on Twitter? Right? Code guy on Twitter? That's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. I check that way too often every day. Um, Sweet. Uh, otherwise, uh, you can always find me 
I email, uh, just info at joshlockhart.com. Uh, that's also my website if you want to go there and read my personal blog. Can't guarantee it'll be too exciting, but it's there. Uh, yeah, that's about it. And also GitHub, uh, code guy as well on GitHub. Um, so you can also find me there. There you cool. go. So, so this has been, oh, and also we have PHP the right. We'll have note. We'll have put in the show notes, but PHP the right way dot com. Um, be sure to check that out. You can um, you can uh, fork it and and contribute and everything. And I'm sure Josh and Phil Sturgeon. And let's while I'm here, let's let's talk really briefly about Phil Sturgeon. I bought a Pebble. <laughs> yeah, we were talking right. about this before. I bought a Pebble watch, which is like you know the thing that hooks up with your phone and everything. And I really like the watch, so thanks so much, Phil, for selling it to me. But that fucker sent it to me without instructions, and other Jack people. Told, I know, eh? Like sends me the sends me the cable and the watch, and that's cool. And it well, holds. I'm a tr- sure he he immediately lost that stuff. Yeah, I'm sure he I did. Mean, come on. And so I did download the app. I did uh, yeah. I did download the app, and everything's okay. And and if I was a more uh, interesting person, I would actually use Foursquare and check in as him, so he would like show up in like multiple places because he left the Foursquare app with his credentials. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm very tempted to start checking in and make Phil the fill the mayor of my office here at home, but uh, that would be kind of creepy probably. Um, but uh, Phil is, uh, Phil is actually a good person. Actually, Phil, Phil's very much like me, but I actually filter what I say way more than Phil does. So <laughs> Phil is always calling people four letter words and other ridiculous things on Twitter where I have learned to avoid um, being like that. I think that's mainly because my boss and a lot of my coworkers follow me on Twitter. And while they are very tolerant of what I do, I'm pretty sure if I started C-bombing and F-bombing way more often on Twitter that uh, um, I might get a little call from HR um, about that stuff. Though I did get a call once about something I said on Twitter, and my old boss uh, spoke to me for about a half hour about what I said on Twitter. So, um, But things were things were resolved to the the best way that I liked, so it was good. Uh, so yes, yeah, so this has been episode number forty three of the Development Hell Podcast. We're getting it's it's now the same age as me, Ed. This is actually pretty awesome now that we now that we got this far. Uh, we're finally synced up. We're finally synced up, uh, and we're heading towards uh, fifty and nifty. Uh, let's thank our sponsors as always: Engine Yard, long long time sponsor, and Trailblazers of the platform as a service. If you uh, use PHP, uh, JavaScript, Ruby, and you like running your stuff in scalable, controllable sandboxes. We highly, highly recommend that you check out um, Engine Yard and all the old boys at um, orchestra.io. And so we're going to say hi to Davey Shafiq and Eamon Leonard and all those guys. It's been way too long since I've seen Eamon. I have to figure out a way to fix that. I know Distill is coming up. Maybe I should get my... Oh, I haven't missed the end, the call for papers for Distill yet, have I? I don't remember. Oh, I think it's, I don't remember seeing your call for papers. Mm, still. All right, well, I'll have to double check that out. And also, let's thank our new sponsor for this episode. Uh, it's not Nude Relic, as Ed thought. It's but it's New Relic. Uh, New Relic is a software analytics company that makes sense of billions of metrics across millions of web and mobile apps. We help the people who build modern software understand the stories their data is trying to tell them. New Relic supports PHP, Python, Ruby, Java, .NET, Node, iOS, and and Android apps. And also, as always. As a final shout out, thanks so much to Paul and Will from Wonder Networks for providing us with the bandwidth so that we can uh, bring the stream and entertain people uh, as we talk. Um, so you can find us, uh, you can find every single episode we've ever done along with show notes at devhell.info. We're also available via iTunes. If you uh, listen to us via iTunes, please, please, please rate the episodes. Let us know how we're doing. Um, we always welcome feedback, even though we don't always take it, but we do like to hear what people um, have to say about what we've been working on. Um, you can find, uh, we have a Twitter account, um, de- um, at dev underscore how. Um, you can find me, a grumpy programmer without the U. You can find Ed as Funkatron with the U. Uh, thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, oh yes, also Ed wanted me to remember. Also, we have a mailing list that you can, uh, so anytime uh, anything changes, episodes coming up, when the show is done, um, find out before everyone else on Twitter finds out that the episode is available. So uh, thanks uh, so much for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to a whole bunch of you later. Good night, Internet.